exciting night tonight, Takeover Vengeance Day. Uh, it's the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, the men's and women's. Starting with the men's, MSK newcomers to NXT versus uh, Grizzled Young Veterans. Certainly, they might be out for redemption tonight after being so close to winning the whole thing last year. Do you think experience will prevail with Grizzled Young Veterans? Yeah, tonight? so first of all, let's talk about the time of year it is. This is the... Uh... You know, it's February, like you said, Valentine's Day, but right. where we really are is the road to WrestleMania, and this is the biggest time of the year. It is. For everybody involved, this is the time when everybody gears up, everybody is looking to make an impact, everybody is looking to make a name for themselves, everybody is looking to turn that corner into the beginning of the year and headed into WrestleMania and even that takeover that week where they are basically putting themselves on the map and saying whether it's Raw, whether it's SmackDown, whether it's NXT, mm -hmm. this is my brand, this is my place, and this is where I'm going. Um, when you talk about tonight and you talk about getting into the Dusty Cup, you talk about tag teams, um, which sort of in a rebuilding place a little bit here in NXT, um, but you talk about trying to make a an impact mm -hmm. in the biggest way possible, and what bigger way could there be than, than getting your name etched Right. into the Dusty Rhodes Cup. Now, grizzled young veterans, like you said last year, made it all the way to the end. Yep. They made it all the way there. They were, uh, they had it in their grasp, and it went away. Um, then, you know, the world changed. Then they sort of kind of got placed into a holding pattern because they got stuck in the UK, and they got stuck... Um, kind of between brands mm -hmm. and it was a long road and they finally scratched and clawed their way back here they've established themselves pretty much I think as the team to beat in the Dusty Cup right. as you said repeating off last year and then all of a sudden right before this whole thing happens this new team comes in MSK um, you talk about a team with a different mentality than almost anything you see here in NXK right. N NXT. in NXT yeah um, MSK sort of bringing this loud, vibrant, just completely different stance on what they bring to that They're tag fun. division. They're so much fun. Yeah. And all of a sudden you see with those two groups, you see teams like UE falling by the wayside. You see teams like Thatcher and Ciampa falling by the wayside. You see teams that have been here and been established like Legatos falling by the wayside. All of a sudden now, MSK creates a, a name for themselves and a place for themselves where they have almost sort of revamped this tag division just by being here. Yeah. Um, this is one I'm really looking forward to tonight. And I think that both teams, uh, Grizzled Young Veterans with something to prove that, that last year wasn't a fluke. MSK uh, with something to prove that they've kind of reinvigorated the tag team division right. here in NXT, and uh, this one's going to be a barn burner. Sure will. Well, let's talk about the women. The first ever Women's Dusty Cup Classic yeah. tonight, the finals. Uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. We're, we found out on Wednesday that the winners of this match will earn a future WWE Women's Tag Team title opportunity. So if they win tonight, then they could potentially put their name on the short list of WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Absolutely. Look, the women's division in NXT, many people over and over and over again will say that this is the best division in any division, in yep. any brand. Um, hard to argue that. And I think when you got into the Dusty Cup this year, for the first time, you were able to see the full depth of that division, not just of the Amber Moons and the Shotzis and the, you know, uh, Raquel's and... 
Dakotas and Candaces and people like that, but the depth underneath that. Mm -hmm. To when you start to get past the people that you don't see every single week on a regular basis, you realize, wow, while I thought it was deep before, this is so much more than I even imagined. There is no better division. And the fact that it is strong enough now from where it was five or six years ago to have its own Dusty Cup mm -hmm. tournament, to be able to get their name etched on that trophy and to be able to go after what is a fairly new concept in the Women's Tag Team Championships, um, that's a statement in and of yep. itself. Now, was that going to be Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota or is that going to be Amber and Shotzi? I don't know, but I think we all win getting to the place of watching it go down. Exactly. Well... The woman atop the division, Io Shirai, the NXT Women's Champion. Tonight, she defends in a triple threat match against Mercedes Martinez, a veteran in the business, and Tony Storm, a former NXT UK Women's Champion. When Io gets in the ring with these two ladies, will she retain tonight? Io Shirai said it over and over again. The best of the best in a division that is second to none. Um, Io brings something incredible to the table that very few people can bring in. One minute, you look at her and she's... Um, just this pleasant, shy um, champion, and then another minute, um, you're scared to death of her. And she's got a trash can on her head, right? Yeah, and, <laughs> exactly. And she's a complete psychopath jumping off the top of, <laughs> of a cage with a trash can on her head. Um, she's dangerous. She's one minute she can uh, be a lot of fun. The next minute she can make you deathly afraid of her. Mm -hmm. um, she just has it all and brings it all to the table, and can do anything in the ring. You talk about the depth of the division, and then you talk about Tony Storm coming back in here and being one of the few people that has beaten Io Shirai mm -hmm. a few years ago in the Mae Young Classic. To if you said to me Io Shirai versus Tony Storm, I go, ooh, dream match. Then again, if you said to me Io Shirai Mercedes Martinez, a lot of people would go, ooh, dream, dream match. match. Tony Storm Mercedes Martinez, ooh, dream match. Put those three in the ring together. I think you're in for something special tonight. This card, TakeOver's, um, you know, over the years, it, 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 it's hard to say the strongest cards we've ever had. This one, you can look at from top to bottom, and you can say this might be one of the most, I don't know, just the most competitive and deep cards, and just across the board, every single match on it, I go, wow, that's probably going to steal the show. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, that's probably going to steal the show. Um, it's that deep, and then when you go back and look at that, and you don't even have... Um, some of the biggest names in NXT, even here right, tonight. Right. Um, it's 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 impressive. It's special. Yeah. Speaking of a match that could steal the show, let's talk about the North American Championship: Johnny Gargano versus Kushida. Yeah. We've seen all of these extravagant distractions. I guess that's what you want to say from the way lately. Well, but I don't know. I mean, you, you, I don't know if the extravagant distraction. I mean, it's proof to the toughness of Johnny Gargano. That's true. Not many people can compete with their arm broken in four places not only that but not only be able to compete with it but can talk with it and move it around like nothing has totally happened fine. to you yeah pull on a championship like just <laughs> as if seemingly as if nothing were wrong with you but at the right. same point in time clearly you saw the x-rays just like i did four broken bones like Brutal. the biggest bone in the forearm he said which mm -hmm. i don't even know what the name of it is either and i'm not a doctor as well but <laughs> um clearly johnny gargano has to be one of the toughest men on the planet to be able to withstand, I mean, mm -hmm. that kind of, of, of just Brutality physical pain. Crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But then let's talk about Kushida with one kick. 
he not only was able to, Kushida was able to not only break Johnny Gargano's arm with one kick in four places, put the man in a wheelchair, mm -hmm. a wheelchair, to where he couldn't even function enough to turn his own chair to be able to see things on the Tron, clearly was confused, didn't know the right arm from the left arm. I mean, seemed to me like there was a lot of injuries going on there. Absolutely. And, and Kushida was able to do that with one, one kick. kick. Imagine what's going to happen tonight. Imagine. So let's talk about what everyone is looking forward to. Again, another match that could steal the show. Finn Balor defending the NXT Championship against Pete Dunne, a former NXT UK champion. And they've never met in the ring before. We can't skate over the fact that Edge will be watching these two men very closely and watching this match very closely where we could see it on WrestleMania, whoever wins this match. Yeah. Um, I spoke to Edge the other day. Uh... He had, trust me, he is watching this. Mm -hmm. He is very intrigued with Finn. He's very intrigued with Pete Dunne. But let's not get past tonight, because there is one thing that I know. So when when Finn was sort of first coming back into NXT, he was looking to sort of get away from where he had allowed himself to get to and sort of become himself again. Roddy, knock it off over there in the refrigerator. Jeez. Trying to do an interview. Roddy Strong, he's like I dropping know, right? stuff out of the Gosh. fridge. Always eating. He'll start the microwave here yeah. in a second. And it's not funny, Oni. So, um, you know, oh man, I lost my total. Oh yeah, so Finn Balor. You know, um, one of the guys that when Finn was first coming back here, man, he talked to me about like every day. Pete Dunn. Mm -hmm. Pete Dunn, Pete Dunn, Pete Dunn, Pete Dunn. I want to get in the ring with Pete Dunne. I want to see Pete Dunne, right? That, to me, and, the, man, the first time he said it to me, I was like, wow, I can't wait to see that. Here we are. Um, talk about dream matches. We've mentioned it before. You talk about everything on here, stealing the card. I don't know that there's one match on this card to me that the sec all, you, all we had to do to build and make this match was go Finn Balor, Pete, Pete Dunne. Dunn. Here you go. All culminates to this. Yeah. Right? I'm very excited, and I know you're very excited. You're busy. You've got things to get to. Pre-show starts at 6.30. You don't want to miss it. Thank you so much for being here. And, of course, the uh, NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day starts at 7 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. Roddy, put the chicken wings down. Just stop. Yeah. Now. Wrestling fans, are you is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rose, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class redneck dude. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But I'm most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificent, you're gonna be mine all night long. Here's Jonathan Hood. It's Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. 
Jonathan Hood with you. Don't forget to follow along on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. That's WrestlingTWT. Tell people that Jonathan Hood watches and covers wrestling Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday, right here on the ESPN Chicago app and wherever else you download this podcast. As always, I appreciate you listening to our show and getting my perspective and others about the wonderful world uh, the wonderful world of professional wrestling slash sports entertainment. <laughs> Sorry. Um, on this show, we will take a look at NXT TakeOver Vengeance. You just heard from Triple H moments ago. Triple H interviewed before Vengeance, the NXT TakeOver show. And, you know, the one thing I can always say about TakeOver is that I don't remember a bad takeover. I love special events going back to the Clash of the Champions for the NWA or Saturday Night's Main Event from back in the day. Anytime that you have a special show, that means you put your best against the best and you're trying to draw rating or you're trying to draw an audience, whatever. But NXT TakeOver reminds me of wrestling shows, wrestling specials from back in the day. And... Listening to Triple H go through the card, it's interesting to get his perspective on how he sees his NXT roster. But I tell you, watching NXT TakeOver, I really enjoyed what I saw. I I always do when NXT TakeOver. No matter what is out there as far as the wrestling media or what the ratings are when NXT takes on AEW every Wednesday night head-to-head, whatever the numbers are, The one thing I do know for sure is that NXT is a solid brand. I think Edge put it best when he had Pete Dunne and Finn Balor in the ring at the Capitol Wrestling Center. And he said, I really enjoyed the NXT brand. And the reason why is because there's more of the second W in this brand than it is on Raw and SmackDown. Meaning that The wrestling matters in NXT more so than the entertainment side of things. And that's one of the things that attracted me to NXT right away. NXT and NXT UK, two of my favorite brands to watch. And the reason why that is the case is because there is more wrestling. When I watch NXT or when I watch NXT UK, it reminds me of wrestling in the past where, yes, you had promos and yes, you might have had some backstage or outside of the arena stuff but for the most part it was about a battle between two people four people six people whatever but there was a reason and there was a storyline that was written for you to follow the essence for me of professional wrestling is not the funny if you watch wrestling for comedy uh, you may be happy with that or you may be disappointed and say oh that's stupid it's never about the comedy because there's a reason why that there's Comedy shows is a reason why that there's shows that will make you laugh. Wrestling is not built to make you laugh. I don't care how many writers that Vince McMahon has on in for his Raw and SmackDown shows. Um, the, a lot of the material falls flat. It's really tailored to one guy, Vince McMahon. When I watch NXT, I watch battles and I watch young wrestlers and some veterans really work hard in the ring. And... Let me be the first to tell you, if no one else has told you, that when Vince McMahon, if Vince McMahon steps aside, however that happens, 
when he's no longer the chairman of the board for the WWE and everything goes through him, no matter how many writers and agents they have in the back, everything goes through the lens of what Vince thinks is funny, what Vince thinks is entertaining for someone that's in the 70s. Not being ageist, I'm saying that the WWE Raw and SmackDown shows at times look behind the times or look similar to what it looked like 20 years ago or 25 years ago. And that's a problem because things have to advance. And when I watch NXT, it is a throwback from a different era. And if Triple H is going to be the one at the top of the mountain and is going to be able to control all the brands of the WWE if that ever happens, then wrestling will be in a great place. Wrestling will be in a tremendous place because when I watch NXT TakeOver, that's exactly what I wanted. There was nothing that was less than a B-plus on that card. It wasn't that many matches. But the point is that for two and a half hours, I was thoroughly entertained by the show. But I'm not surprised because I always feel that way about NXT. No matter what numbers that you see, like, oh, AEW's got so, they have way more viewers and NXT's lagging behind. Well, NXT was built to be a brand that is different than what you see on Raw and SmackDown. And so that's the reason why I liked it from the start. I find it interesting when you hear former WWE employees, wrestlers or employees, say that the wrestlers in the back fear that they'll be called up to Raw and SmackDown because they feel like Raw and SmackDown is a demotion instead of being a promotion from NXT. And you know why that is? It's because the wrestlers have a chance to be able to express themselves. They have a chance to be able to be in programs, long-form programs, leading into a show like TakeOver. And there's a lot of fun and they have an opportunity to stretch their, you know, stretch their wings and do some things, spread their wings and do some things in the ring. A demotion. Imagine you're on USA Network, you're on Fox Network, and some of the wrestlers are like, oh, now we're on SmackDown. That's a demotion. I understand what they mean by that. Watching the NXT Championship, Finn Balor against Pete Dunne. So Balor defeats Dunne, and that was an A-plus match. I could watch those two battle for a year because it was just that good. You know what you get with Pete Dunne. He's going to do the whole, you know, joint manipulation thing with the fingers. You know that Finn Balor comes in. People were hot on Finn Balor coming out of New Japan. It was kind of start and stop when he was on Raw because of injuries. He's a veteran. He's wrestled a lot. That New Japan style takes a lot out of you. People knew about him overseas, Finn Balor. The Prince Devitt. And now he's the NXT champion. He takes on Pete Dunne. And what a fun match that was. You know, it wasn't about flying all over the ring for 40 minutes. What it was about is, it was about a struggle. That's what wrestling is supposed to be. Somewhat of a technical masterpiece. And it was. It was an incredible championship match. And it was incredibly well done. And the perfect main event for the NXT championship. Let's take you back in time. The closing moments of Finn Balor against Pete Dunne. Destroyed the mangled fingers of Finn Balor and will not let up. 
losing what's left of those fingers. Oh, wait a minute. Balor just ripped the mouthpiece. Good guard from Dunn. Removing all protection. Just a great story told by Finn Balor and Pete Dunne for the NXT Championship. And so that was an excellent matchup. Absolutely. Then the aftermath, that was interesting. The aftermath as there was a turn there. After the main event, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch attacked Balor. Then here comes the Undisputed Era. They came in for the save eventually with Kyle O'Reilly telling Balor that he can trust them and offering a hand. They all stood next to each other. Would look like you know, look like Balor may join the Undisputed Era. Because I'm like, hey, wait a minute, hold on a second. Are the is Balor going to be part of the Undisputed Era? But just as he was about to do that, Adam Cole super kicked the champion to the head. Then when Kyle O'Reilly started to argue with Cole, and then O'Reilly receives a super kick uh, by Cole as well. So Cole took out O'Reilly and Finn Balor. So what does that mean? <laughs> Why does that happen, right? Is that some kind of message that Adam Cole was sending? I know one thing for sure is that the Undisputed Era, as popular as they are as cool heels, they always should have just been heels. And I think that that re-solidifies that Adam Cole's a badass and the Undisputed Era is supposed to be badasses. And so, you know, there's no Bobby Fish, who's often injured and a veteran on this crew. And then the super kick to O'Reilly. So that was interesting to see. And Roderick Strong was kind of just kind of left in the middle, like, what What am I supposed to do here? So that's how you tell a story. No one saw that coming, which is the essence of professional wrestling. It's not a bit, look, you and I can go back and forth and predict what's going to happen. But until it actually happens, that's what you're looking for. Nobody saw that coming at the end of TakeOver. And that's what makes it cool. That's what makes it very interesting. The mystery has been taken out of wrestling for a long time. It's Wrestling now is, is what it is, right? When you see a wrestling match, you see guys flip-flop and fly all over the ring, you expect that. But what about the storytelling? What about seeing something that you're not supposed to see or not expecting to see? That's what happened at the end of TakeOver, and that's what makes it special. And so I enjoyed the ending of TakeOver because it's a cliffhanger. We used to have that long, long time ago, and now... You see this in NXT some, but you definitely saw that on TakeOver. What about the Dusty Classic? By the way, the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Remember all those great tag teams that Dusty Rhodes was in back in the day? Yeah, me either. Some thoughts now from uh, the Grizzled Young Veterans against MSK. This was an A-plus match as well. I thought that one of my favorite tag teams to watch in the 2020s, 
the Grizzled Young Veterans. I thought they were going to win the match, but they gave it to MSK. Here's the closing moments of that one. That was a really, really good match. Very enjoyable tag team match for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals. It was MSK defeating the Grizzled Young Veterans. I'm a GYV guy. Well, that's a clunky name, but they are the Grizzled Young Veterans. I'm uh, part of that because I've watched them on NXT UK, and I, they are completely over. Uh, but it's a couple of veteran guys. They got a couple of young guys over, and that's really the essence of the business also. So congratulations to MSK. Now that you've won the Dusty Classic, I expect them to have some stardom. I expect them to rule the tag team scene. They're a bunch of guys that are very athletic, and I thought that was a very, very good match. Boy, I tell you what, one of the spots in that match, Gibson putting his shoulders, uh, put Gibson put Lee on his shoulders, and then Drake hit a uh, tope suicida, the doomsday device outside. That was just a crazy, ridiculous spot. That was just amazing. And uh, and the ticket to mayhem, just a couple of those near falls. Yeah, that was that was good. That was that was very, very good. Here's a match here that actually could have been the main event of TakeOver. Could have been the main event, and that is the North American Championship with Johnny Gargano against Kushida. This match could have taken place in any era and been the main event. You can go from town to town with this at the top of the card and be able to draw a very good house. Very good house. With Johnny Gargano as the champion, the heel, part of the way, taking on Kushida. Kushida has established himself, I think, pretty well as a babyface uh, on this brand. He's a little bit start and stop, just trying to figure out who Kushida is. And just like, now we see Kushida, and we knew from his days in Japan that he was solid. But it's always an adjustment for anyone that is traveled and wrestled overseas and trying to get this style down. Well, Kushida and Gargano, they tore the house down. That was an A-plus match also. I told you, this was a tremendous card. This could have been the main event. Let's go back to the closing moments. Johnny Gargano, is there this uh, whole curse on Gargano losing 
another big match at TakeOver. Well, Gargano takes on Kushida for the North American Championship. He's smashing the hard into that safety barrier. Trying to barely use his left arm, but finally able to get away from Kushida. Gargano just crawling, making his way, making some space. Any space is good space as the referee has started his 10 count Kushida. Has to get Gargano back into the ring. Pinfall submission has to take place inside the squared circle. I love that match. I really did. I'm almost willing to say that I liked the North American Championship matchup more so than the um, NXT Championship, but I, I can't go that far. I think equally they were great. I hate to ride the fence on that, but I just thought that Finn Balor and Pete Dunne was an A+, and I believe that the North American Championship was an A+. They were both equally as good. I hate to ride the fence, and but it, they were just great. The reason why I enjoyed the North American Championship matchup is because a story was told. A story was told. Kushida just kept working on the arm of Johnny Gargano. And so when you see like the chicken wing suplex on our Gargano, all the moves on the arm of Gargano, a story was told. There's a bullseye on the arm of Gargano, and that was an emphasis for the announcers and for the match. But Gargano was able to get that one final beat on the ramp with that uh, DDT and then being able to get the pinfall against Kushida. A hell of a match. A hell of a match. Another technical wrestling matchup, and which was really the theme a lot uh, for NXT TakeOver Vengeance. I liked how they brought the old Vengeance uh, back and Triple H is very good for saying, using brands or using uh, sh- old wrestling show names from the WWE and putting them into the NXT fold. I think that's kind of cool. 
The opener was Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez against Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart for the women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Finals. And Kai and Gonzalez defeated Moon and Blackheart in that one. I thought it was a pretty solid matchup. I thought that that was a pretty solid matchup. Raquel Gonzalez can be a star on this brand as a solo artist. And because of her size, her length, she could be able to do a lot of the power moves here. You know, obviously, there's she's got to have a lot more matches. And again, when you're just going through this pandemic and wrestling once a week or every other week, it's hard for you to get the ring time. I don't care what they're doing at the performance center trying to get it right. When you're on the road, that is the thing that's going to make her better and get her over more so. So I think that she's a budding star. Uh, Chassie Blackheart is someone that the office feels very strongly about, her character, even more so than what she does into the ring. And Dakota Kai is proven, for sure. So uh, I thought it was a pretty good match to start off um, TakeOver. The other match, of course, the Women's Championship with Io Shirai. Io Shirai, the champion, takes on Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez. And all three had a story to tell. Mercedes Martinez has been around for a long time. She wants hers. She wants the opportunity to be a women's champion, the WWE brand. Io Shirai has proven herself. I wasn't sure that she should have been the champion when she won it. And now she's really proven herself. And Tony Storm, if you've followed Tony Storm's career like I have, uh, beyond NXT UK, just where she has wrestled, and she is just tremendous. That's Tony Storm could be the face of the women's brand. And now she's wrestling kind of like a heel. I guess you could say heel for her. Um, But I like an attitude change. I mean, look at her. I mean, she's badass and she's very unique, which I also like about that as well. And Io Shirai comes out with the victory. Uh, If you're trying to find a match that wasn't as good as some of the others, this was it. Um, It just, you know, the last thing that you want, and wrestling does this to itself all the time, is expose your business. It was an entertaining match. Just like it was just kind of weird that Tony Storm comes to the table and the table just collapses. And then <laughs> and then the broadcast team is trying to cover up has Tony Storm just puts pretty much a pinky on the table and it collapses in front of them. And then, you know, you hear the broadcast team says, you know, when MSK came out here before they loosened the table. That's why the table was rickety. And like I, I knew the table was a little bit rickety. You know, I noticed it was a little rickety after the MSK matches. They're trying to cover it up, and that was a spot that was supposed to happen, and the the table collapsed. That's really embarrassing. It didn't take away necessarily from the entire match, but it took me right out of the moment because I'm like, oh god. All three of these women are working hard. All three of these women can work, and then you got to have a table spot. Well, why? Why? Why a table spot in that in that situation? And then it backfires. Now you look stupid. The clunky table. Then, of course, the finish, you know, it, it didn't sync up properly so the camera. The camera missed half of Shirai's moonsault. I thought that that was a little odd at the end. The finish was a little flat for me, but it wasn't necessarily horrible. It wasn't bad. It just, I just wish that these three women had a better outing for you know, and get away from that table spot and just find a better finish. Otherwise, it was fine. Um, I, I would have preferred Io Shirai against Tony Storm or Martinez against Shirai in some kind of stakes match. Uh, it didn't have to be a three way, but it was. And so, three workers that knew exactly what they're doing. Um, I had no problem with the match, it just wasn't as good as the other ones, but it belonged on this card. 
We're going to hear from Triple H with his uh, review of NXT UK. You heard the pre. You're going to hear the post on this podcast as well. This won't be a separate feed. I'll just put it all together so you'll be able to hear what Triple H had to say after NXT UK. I had one other thought for you. One other thought. What if the WWE decided to have multiple, not one, multiple women's only pay-per-views and pay-per-views meaning specials because we're talking about the WWE Network or it's going to be on Peacock coming up in March, but you know what I'm saying. What if the WWE had two or maybe three shows that was just the women, just women only, and maybe there would be a men's match. It would be an attraction, but ultimately an all women's show. When we get back to normal, when we have fans back in the arena, whether it's this summer or this fall, going into 2022, we'll see what happens. But how many people do you think that will come to a WWE show knowing it's an all-women's show? And maybe like the dark match could be a men's match or it could be somewhere along the in the card someplace where there'd be a men's match mixed in with the women. But for the most part, an all-women's show. On the on the Peacock WWE Network whatever, how how many people do you think would go to the arena to see that? I'm raising my hand and say that I would. I want you to imagine a WWE show that would have on um, from the NXT UK Piper Niven, Kaylee Ray to have um, Valkyrie to have Isla Dawn, uh, Zaya Brookside. Nina Samuels from the NXT UK to have on the NXT brand Io Shirai, a match where Io Shirai is in it, and Candice LeRae and Dakota Kai and Caden Carter and Rhea Ripley, of course, Raquel Gonzalez, Mercedes Martinez, Shotzi Blackheart, Scarlett Bordeaux, Tony Storm, Tegan Knox, Zia Lee, right? He goes on and on of superstars on the women's division. Indy Hartwell, Ember Moon, Aaliyah. Imagine a card where Bailey's on it and Bianca Belair, Billy Kay, Carmella, Sasha Banks, of course, Tamina Snuka, Natalia, Liv Morgan, uh, Alexa Bliss, um, Dana Brooke, well... Not Nina, but you understand. Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, um, Peyton Royce, uh, Shayna Baszler, Naomi, Charlotte Flair, Asuka. The, the list goes on and on, right? We know a lot of the women superstars on all the brands. I just named four, the Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and NXT UK rosters. What if the WWE, knowing that the women give full effort. And because of how hard these women work, they give them their own show, their own card. How well do you think that would do? I would say that it would be outstanding. The women today in wrestling are a lot better and a lot more athletic, a lot more interesting than they were when I was growing up. A lot more interesting. I would say that the WWE should consider having a show and you can have a hodgepodge of 
NXT UK women against uh, Raw women, SmackDown women against NXT women, and just have a ball. Have the mixture of styles in it. Have your dream matches. The NWA back in the day had dream matches in 1986-87. They had A&W Cream Soda Presents the Dream Match. And you were able to write in and give your dream match that you want to see on TV. This has been something in the territories that they've done before. The NWA did it. I want to say that Mid-South did it. Florida did it. They used to have the dream match. What if you and I were able to say, you know what, of all the women in this company, these are the matches that I want to see. For a one-off. And of course, some of these matches would have stakes in it because there's championships on the, in the women's divisions for tag team uh, as well as for the singles. But, but why not have that? Why not? I mean, it's one thing. The women have their own Dusty Cup. The women have their own Royal Rumble. The women have Battle Royals. Then why don't you just give them um, a entire show dedicated to them? They work hard. There's no doubt. I can't even give you the case of, you know, back in my day, Medusa Michelli was a hell of a lot better. You know, Sherry Martell would have wiped the floor. Okay, well, yes, those are just because women were attractions. Women were just were on the card, just like they'd have a black wrestler on the card or a little person on the card. They were just attractions. And women and black people, as well as, as sometimes Latino uh, people, as well as little people, they called them midgets back then, uh, would have would just be a special on the card. Special. But they were never necessarily always featured in the main event. Imagine a women's match at the top of the card in 1990. It just wasn't happening. And so I believe that this is the right idea. Dave Prezak, I give him all the credit from Shimmer, he does this all the time. He always has some of the best independent women come to his shimmer shows in suburban Chicago, and he's able to put out digital programs, DVDs back in the day of some of the best women out there. I give Dave Prezak all the credit for that, having those shows yearly for shimmer. So why not have this for the WWE? I'm looking at this list of women and I'm thinking, oh, my God. There's some great matches in here. You could tell some great stories about not necessarily their own WrestleMania, but definitely their opportunity to shine on their own and not having to be the semi-main event or be the, you know, you see this more often than not now in Raw and SmackDown. Well, you got to have the women first, pal. Okay, you're giving them time. That's great. But do they really get a chance to shine? Because once that match is over, okay, let's get on to Randy Orton. Okay, let's get on to The Fiend. Okay, let's get on. No. How about them being able to tell their own stories? And by the way, hire a play-by-play person that's female. Why don't you do that too? I think that that's a, that's a good idea. I think that's something that they should consider. Because they're working hard. Yeah, You'd be hard-pressed to find someone that says, oh, you know, anytime I see this women's match, it's just awful. It's not awful. They're not struggling. They're as athletic in some cases, as the men are, sometimes more so. But the stories can be told, and I think that that's something they should consider. If I'm the WWE, I would do that. You already have enough pay-per-views, right? You have enough events. It, it's kind of ridiculous that the WWE has, what is it every year now? What are we up to? 14, 15, 16 events? I really think it should be eight. Uh, six or seven, I would say. 
the, the max eight, but now every month you have these two and three week builds to something. It's like, and it falls flat for me as a wrestling fan. Cause I'm used to having long form storytelling and give me the strong payoff to be like, boy, that was all worth it. You know, wrestling at once upon a time was like a movie. You didn't rush to the finish after a three hour movie. You rushed the finish once you got to the crescendo, the tippy top of the story that was told. And so I just think there's too many events anyway. I think that the way Triple H does it with NXT is perfect. You don't need a big event every single month. But if you're going to have that many events, give the women the opportunity to show what they can do. That would be my advice. Okay, that's my two cents on that. As I told you, I'm giving you everything that I've got here today because I gave you the initial thoughts of Triple H as he was interviewed before TakeOver, Vengeance. And I gave you my thoughts. And now, my friends, let's hear what Triple H had to say in his conference call after Vengeance was done right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the conference over to Paul Levesque. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you very much. Um, I appreciate everybody being here. Uh, sorry for the delay. I thought we had a, an amazing show tonight. This was one of those um, nights coming on the air with uh, Vengeance Day that you could look across this card and, and really honestly say um, every single match on the show, if you went through them one by one, you could look at it and go, oh, that'll probably steal the show. Oh, that'll steal the show. Oh, this one might steal the show. Um, it was that kind of card. And that across the board, they didn't uh, disappoint. You know, everything seemed to get better. The Women's Dusty Cup, uh, you know, for me, uh, the Dusty Cup is, it is a, it's a very important event. I take it very seriously. I take the name on it, Dusty's name on it, very seriously. Um, you know, he was a, a creative partner for me here. He was a, a mentor. He was a, a lot of things in a lot of ways. And I take it very seriously that his name is on that. It wasn't just a, oh, let's just throw his name on something and, you know, um, go with it. I take it very seriously. It's something that we had talked about a lot, like his belief in, in that kind of in tag teams and that kind of tournament. And it, Anyway, it's just something that we talked about a lot and, and I put a lot of value in that. And tonight, maybe um, one of the first nights that we had uh, four different teams competing for a cup with his name on it, and I don't know that he had ever met any of them. Um, and that's unique. His influence spans uh, now, as it would uh, for so so many reasons. But it, in, and just in this, it carries on through through different generations of of young performers that I think he would look at and just go, you know, I'm so proud of you and what you've accomplished and how you've grown since you've been here or as a performer, whatever that is. So I, I just want to state that, but you know, from the women's cup of them making history and, and 
without taking anything away from Shotzi and Amber, Dakota and Raquel putting on a, all four of them putting on a spectacular performance and making history, to Kashida and Johnny, which was just incredible, to MSK and, and Grizzled Veterans, where just a, a master class in tag team wrestling that surpassed, you know, or, or if you were thinking already, God, how can it get any better than that? And then it does, um, you know, EO, Tony, Mercedes, putting on a different level of something, um, you know, that j j just spoke to a different um, mindset than all the other matches did before that. And then going into to Bauer and Pete, which, um, God, you, the technical ability in that match was off the chart, but not just from a, you know, it, it takes a, only certain people can really appreciate the technical aspect of what's in there. I really do, but, um, God, not only was it technical, but the story that they told within that, technical wrestling was just so good and just so masterclass and there were surprises in this show and there were moments in this show and um, you know new faces with LA Knight and Eli Drake and with uh, you know Cameron Grimes New Direction and then of course at the end of the night with just shocking moments so to me I felt like this was a takeover that um, felt back I don't know back to the beginning um, and back to, uh, to to the to the brand. So, um, with that said, I'll open it up uh, to all of you. I want to take a minute before we do that to thank uh, Brandon Walker for being here at Barstool Sports for their support and uh, and for being here and and uh, and you know just uh, really appreciate that uh, and then being a part of it. So, um, with that, I will uh, open it up to you. And the last thing I'll just say is that uh, I believe. Um, barring something I'm unaware of at this point, I believe we were injury-free tonight. So when you put on the level of performance that everybody did, um, that's an amazing statement as well. So with that, I will open it up to questions. All right, folks, give it one question for Ella, please. Thank you. Thank you. If you would like to signal with questions, please press star 1 on your touchtone telephone. If you're joining us today use a speakerphone, please make sure your new function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Again, as star one, if you would like to ask questions, our first question will come from Jim Barcelona with the Miami Herald. Hey, Jim. Oh, just another outstanding NXT takeover. You guys just continue to just outdo yourself. I don't know how you do it every time, but it was incredible. I just have Thank you. My question, I noticed that, look, everybody, five matches, so everybody got their chance to shine and extend their matches, extend their story of the match. And I wanted you to talk a little bit about the women's triple threat. That probably was the, the least amount of time of all the matches. And just from this standpoint, was that by design? Were they supposed to go a little longer? And what could you say about Io Shirai as well in that match? I mean, she's just incredible. She just so many things. She's like fearless. Yeah. Um, first of all, a spectacular performance by all three. Um, as far as the time goes, they had all the time they wanted. Um, you know, they, they had a, a window that was much bigger than that. I think I think bell to bell they went somewhere in, in the neighborhood of 12, 13. I don't remember precisely, but I think that's where they went to. But, uh, you know, they, they, they had what they wanted. Um, I think it was laid out at 20 and, and you know, just as a, as a window. But they had what they wanted. Um, you know, there were a few things in there. I know, I know that didn't go um, exactly how uh, 
you know, they had planned it. So, and not, not, I don't mean necessarily mistakes on their part, but, uh, you know, tables breaking, things things happening beyond people's control um, that make them go in different directions. So, um, you know, it's a funny thing. People sometimes get caught up in the, well, geez, how can they not go 20 minutes? It's a funny, I don't know. Like, if you go 20 minutes on all the matches, everybody goes, oh, everybody's going to go 20 minutes on the takeovers. You can never make everybody happy. I thought they had a spectacular match, an incredible performance um, from all three of them. But Io Shirai is just a, she's a different level. She is so versatile with her performances, and I don't just mean in the ring. One minute she's, this smiling, innocent girl. Another minute, she's this vicious killer. Um, another minute, she's truly is the genius of the sky and, and just, you know, flying off of things and, and doing incredible stuff. And, and anytime I think that there's something that, you know, I, I think from her, oh, I've seen it all. She did pull something else out that I'm like, geez, she really can just do anything and is just so versatile. It's It's hard. To say it's just hard to put into words how good she is. She's just she's just an incredible performer. That was a really good match too, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from John Alba with the Central Florida News Thirteen. Hey John, Paul, great show. Hey Paul, great show as always. And it was a show where we really got to see some young talent shine, including. MSK, and I would like to ask about talent evaluation. It seemed in the early days of developmental in the NXT system, at least, it would maybe take a little longer for some of those people, either from the Indies or from other promotions, to hit TV, regardless of where they came from, in order to adjust to the system. But lately, we've seen MSK, we've seen August Gray, Kurt Stallion, LA Knight be put right on TV. So, how has that evaluation changed? And uh, is it strictly just a per-talent basis, or have things adjusted over time? Yeah, I don't think that the... If you if you go back um, and look at the history of all of this, it depends on the performer. Some talent come in right away, they flow right to television. Some talent come in, and they don't. And really what it comes down to is us giving them bits and pieces of opportunity. And I say this to everybody as they walk in the door, uh, for the most part, we're going to give you bits and pieces of opportunity. Where that opportunity goes depends on how the opportunity is taken advantage of. So, you know, um, you know, it, it, you bring in um, people like MSK with a thought in your mind of, hey, these guys are really good performers, but I don't know what they bring to the table of their television knowledge or performance. And when you're doing something like the Dusty Cup, it's easy to have in mind where you want to go, but to then tweak things over the weeks as opportunities change, right? You see somebody, you go, okay, they're not quite ready for that. We're going to move to this. Or, okay, they, they are ready for that, and you move them forward. Those two are sponges. I said this to them tonight when they were done. We give you bits and pieces of opportunity. You have knocked each opportunity out of the park. Um, and that is not because, and, and this is not me putting the system over, but it's not because they knew it all walking in the door. They're sponges. Um, sometimes people get it. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they have the knowledge. Sometimes they don't. There, there are times when I've worked with talent that have come from other places, with, and, and I've seen them on TV for years, and then the first time we work with them on television and you begin to talk to them about 
television production, they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. No one has ever told me any of that before. Could you start over? And like, you realize, oh my God, like, wow, there, there really is no, no one has ever taught them this. They just kind of always ended up being in the right place at the right time. Um, or, or they just got lucky around how it was presented or whatever that is. There's other times where you get people that come in and they're a blank slate to it. And then you tell them some stuff and they're like, okay, great. Yeah, that makes total sense. And they've got it and they never miss a beat. Sometimes it's easier to have a blank slate than it is somebody that's been doing it a certain way for 10 years. And then you tell them something different and they're like, oh, wow, boy, that would be so much better. But getting them to do it on live television is a different thing. So it, it, um, it truly depends on the performer. When they get in here, we begin to work with them. We see where they are. We start to do little things and bits and pieces with them in training and how they react to those things and how they are coached and, and every bit of it um, lends to where they end up and, and how quickly they get used or not used. But I don't necessarily think the system has changed. If you go back through time, there have been people that have been, you know, here for a long time trying to figure it out. And, and also, look, people walk in the door of a place that they've been trying to get to their whole life somewhere in their mind. And, and you know, People that with no knowledge of that can talk about it however they want. When they get here, how they react to that and how they handle it are two totally different things. And I spend sometimes a lot of time with performers that have been doing this for a long time going, I, I, I don't, man, do what you do. You're not giving me you. You're giving me some other version of you that I that isn't what we're looking for and I'm trying to get them to a place and then one day the light bulb goes off and they they go like oh I get it and they relax to it and they go back to being a performer and I don't know if that's them having a certain expectation in their own heads but it is what it is it's it's evaluated per talent and when they're ready to succeed we let them succeed when they're not I don't want them to fail and I don't want them to have stutter steps. So we try not to put it out there when it's not ready. Appreciate the thoroughness. Thank you very much. And our next question comes from Kelly Wells with pwtorch.com. Hey Kelly. Hey Paul. Hey, how are you doing Paul? It was a, a great show tonight, even among, even on the takeovers, just great stuff. Um, I would like to ask about uh, L.A. Knight, the former Eli Drake. Um, just kind of uh, what went into uh, getting him on board, uh, who brought him on board, and what you see is maybe his ceiling is. Um, you know, my, well, I don't think that there's a ceiling on anybody. When they walk in the door, I kind of reevaluate everybody or evaluate everybody as they're walking in the door of, like, my hope is that, uh, that all of them have the potential at one point in time to garner whatever they need to become as big of a performer as they can be here. Um, I, I've been a fan of his since he was here the first time. And, and you know, there's there's a lot of reasons and on his side and our side as to why um, that didn't work out that time. But I've, I was always, I was a fan of his then. Um, I was a fan of his work and his promo skills and everything else as he went along his journey. Uh, and I've, I've always thought when the time was right, um, he'd be great here. And the time was right. And um, 
phone calls were made and interest was on both sides and it just went from there and it was smooth and easy you know um he wants to be in a place where he can have the biggest platform in the world that's here and uh and i want to give it to him so we're gonna we're gonna run with it and see where we can go and uh you know uh there, there is no ceiling all right thanks so much for the show tonight thank you Thank you. Our next question comes from Sean Ross Sapp with Fightful. Hey, Sean. Hey, Paul. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, you mentioned the table spot that unfortunately went awry earlier. What was sort of your reaction to that, and how do you think that uh, the women recovered in that spot? It seemed like they didn't really miss a beat, considering what we saw Io Shirai do right after that. Yeah, no, I mean they didn't. I mean they're pros. All three of them are pros. They didn't miss a beat. They went right on. Uh, you know, it's a, f a funny thing that that stuff happens. You know, uh, you, you've got to be able to roll with the punches, and um, they did it. They did it seamlessly, and I thought it worked tremendously. But they had a great match. Um, you know, no, no matter what you do, things are never going to go exactly as you plan, um, unless you're extremely, extremely lucky. And, and even then, um, you know, it's why to me. The, the best performers are always the ones that uh, can ad-lib and do things on the fly and and just roll with stuff um, and react to it and be in the moment. That's when it's the best, when when things are just, you know, ABC all the way through. Um, and if something does go awry, it, it's some, for some of those people, it can be really hard to adjust. And, uh, and they did it seamlessly, so my hat's off to them, um, you know. Just one of those things, right? I, I, in in that moment, there's nothing for me other than just hating the fact that, oh, like, and somehow you feel like, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, right? The, the but but you feel terrible, right? You just want it, you want to be able to give them everything you can and have them succeed, and you know what it's like when that stuff happens. So you hate it for them, but uh, it just is what it is, and they're pros, so they move on. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Nick Hossman with Wrestling Inc. Hi, Paul. Thank you very much for taking time. Hi. Thank you. Um, my question is with uh, the WWE Network headed to Peacock, are we going to get the same amount of takeovers each year? Is that going to affect uh, the amounts and volume in any way? Uh, yeah, no, that is the uh, the plan right now. Obviously, um, new new partners and, 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 a, and a platform, but yeah, the... the the content and the delivery of content and everything else is is still a a WWE. It's a it's a WWE product and WWE's uh, you know process. So um, you know, w w will that change at some point? That there more or less? I mean, uh, no different. We're always going to evaluate no different that than we would at any other point in time. So, um, but that is the plan is to uh, to keep going. And you know, the beautiful thing about Peacock is. There's a lot of eyeballs, potentially, you know? Sure. Well, all right. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Thank you, And our next question comes from Jason Powell with ProWrestling.net. Hey, Jason. Hey, Paul. Hey, it's been a couple of months now since the company and Mauro Ronaldo parted ways. What's your assessment of the job that Dick Joseph, Wade Barrett, and Beth Phoenix have done so far? I think they're doing great. Um, you know, 
Bruce Willis, let me say that I think Moore was phenomenal. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his, continue to be a huge fan of his. Um, you know, circumstances were just um, right for, for both sides, given everything that was happening in a pandemic world um, to go in the directions we did. But I, I want to say that I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Moro um, across the board um, and, and happy that he's continuing to do the things that he is doing and, and, um, and have the success that he does. We stay in touch um, and he's a good friend. So, but, uh, you know, on that, on the other side of that, uh, the dynamic of Vic, uh, Beth, and Wade that I'm, I'm thrilled with. Uh, Vic is, is coming into his own. And, and it's tough. You know, you come in here and you're, you're kind of shown a WWE way and taught a certain thing and you're trying to find your voice and then, you know, a pandemic hits and you get into the mode that you get in and for a while he's here by himself and he's got, you know, uh, people, uh, you know, from their homes doing it with him. You know, I don't know that a lot of people even realize that, that Morrow, you know, when, when people couldn't travel, Morrow was home. You know, we were, we were able to arrange it where he could do commentary from home. Beth was from home. Um, they were calling it live seamlessly on the air, but it's, it's hard and it's very, very difficult. Um, once, you know, in, and only recently in the last three or four weeks, I think it is, I don't know, time travels fast, but, uh, you know, Beth was able to schedule-wise uh, be able to be back here in person. And man, since that time, I, th I thought they had a good rhythm going. I can't say enough good stuff about Wade. Uh, I was a big fan of his when he was working with us. I was a big fan of his um, watching what he did outside of here and his commentary. And I always meant there was, there was always a part of me that, and I said this to him, you know, I always was a fan of it and wanted to get him here and the timing wasn't right. And then the timing was right. And I was like, oh, this is great. Um, got him here and he hasn't disappointed. He's a pro's pro. Um, he just has a back for it and a feel for it. Vic is really now coming into his own and so is Beth, especially being here. So difficult to do from a distance. But being here, what I love about it is they come across as three people that genuinely like each other, um, like they would if it was three friends uh, sitting on a couch watching the show and having a good time bantering with each other, even though one of them's calling play-by-play, -play, you know. Um, but it just comes across as enjoyable and fun. They get into the product. They're excited. Um, I, I, I love it. You know, I, I think it's a different vibe from from Raw. It's a different vibe from SmackDown, but it's NXT's vibe, and I'm, and I'm, I'm really enjoying what they're doing and think they've, they've come a long way and are doing a phenomenal job. Hopefully everybody else does too. All right, folks, we'll do two more, and we'll call it a night. Thank you. Our next question comes from Bill Pritchard with WrestleZone. Hey, Bill. Hey, Paul. How you doing? I'm doing great. Yourself? Not too bad. Uh, good show tonight. Um, somebody already touched on it uh, earlier in the call about uh, bringing MSK in and kind of getting them on TV a little sooner than you, we, we would normally expect. Um They've really done a good job of not only uh, getting some energy going on the show, but the tag team division itself. It seems like, you know, that they've really boosted it and almost seems like a return to form. So what can you say about just, 
besides how quickly they've adapted, you know, what else did you really notice about them and just having them on NXT in such a short amount of time? So the, the moment I met them, um, from them coming in here and having a tryout with us, and I, I talked to them for a period of time, and it's everything that, I, you know, I, I obviously, my, my the, the people here in NXT are, are or, and the PC are just, they're, they're the eyes and ears, right? And I, Matt Bloom, Sarah Model, this whole team here, Sean, everybody that's here, um, all the coaches, um, I, you know, I trust their opinions. So when they're talking to these people and they're saying, hey, this, these two are pros, pros. These two are sponges. These two, man, you tell them something, they got it. They're just, they have an instinct for it. They're humble to it. You know, part of, part of being coached is wanting to be coached. You know, and, it, and it's a funny thing to me. I hear sometimes people talk about, well, just letting people do things and they don't need to be coached or they don't need to be written for, they don't need to be produced. I cannot disagree with that any stronger. Look, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback, arguably, in the history of football. It's like saying he doesn't need to be coached. Right? Like They give you more coaches. They give you more help. They give you more things. Now, somebody like that... Uh, you know, can take things to another level, but everybody needs to be coached. Everybody needs to be produced. Uh, down, I mean, to when when Vince McMahon is in a in a in a scene backstage back years ago, he wanted somebody else to produce him um, and to coach him and to get him there. It, it, it just it is the truth of what we do, and it is the truth of life. My opinion. To think otherwise is ego. Um, and when you're open to it, when you're a sponge to it, when you are just willing to take, and not every opinion you get is right, but to take them, digest them, try them on, see what works honestly and openly and see what works and what doesn't. And, and that, I, I can't say it enough. That is those kids, MSK to a T, that is them. And it's why they've succeeded to the level that they have when they walked in the door we gave them a, just a, a whiff of an opportunity, and they grabbed it. And and it, then it was a breath of fresh air. Um, they were the spark, but like then you talk about okay, well, uh, GYV to me are one of the most technically uh, sound teams, and and from a heel standpoint, just man, they're, they're just there. So you know, we were just at a point where we were rolling them in here in the U.S. and they got stuck overseas. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of things that happened in moments where, where things got stuck where they were, and then as they began to loosen up, the timing was right for everything. So you, just, you roll it all together, and uh, the, the best plans, but then some, sometimes you get lucky, too, and you get lightning in a bottle, and I feel like it's what we're getting right now. And, you know, again, to your point, um, back to form on, on the tag team division. It's exciting. You see MSK, Legato, uh, Oni and Danny, uh, GYV, MSK, um, Jesus, you know, I know, that's so excited I'm knocking stuff over. Um, you know, it's a division that you look at and you go like, holy cow, uh, I'll take any one of those guys. So it's, it's exciting. And we'll take a question for Michael Morales with Lucha Libre Online. First of all, thank you for the opportunity uh, and congratulations for, for a great event. 
Triple H talking to the media before TakeOver, my thoughts on TakeOver, and Triple H with some interesting post-game, post-match thoughts. He's really high on this brand. It's his baby. You can understand that. NXT is a terrific brand. There's no doubt about that. And I just still get a kick out of some of the wrestlers that go to Raw and SmackDown and say, boy, that's a demotion. I don't want to deal with Vince. I just want to deal with Triple H. You can understand why. Just the enthusiasm that Triple H has for that brand. It's a really, really solid brand. And they're probably going through a little bit of transition. Hey, there's some wrestlers that are on now. The Raw and SmackDown brand. 
And now Triple H has got to find new wrestlers, new stories, new um, angles to be able to present to the NXT faithful. So I totally understand it. Again, thumbs up for me and A-plus once again for TakeOver and this time Vengeance on the 14th of February. As always, I appreciate your support of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here Wherever you downloaded this podcast, thanks so much for supporting TWT. Don't forget to reach out to me. Reach out to me. Tell me what you think of the show. UTHpods at Outlook.com. UTHpods at Outlook.com. Or follow me on Instagram. TWT. Again, Wrestling TWT. Also on Twitter. It is Twitter.com. Wrestling TWT. I'm John Hood. Thanks for listening to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Tuesday.